Thanks for downloading this Brum Radio podcast. For more of our programmes, visit brumradio.com. Hello and welcome to the Geeky Brum Show. As we're launching into a new year, we thought we'd give a bit of a pause and visit a few of our favourite soundtrack with myself, Ryan Parrish, Mr Keith Bloomfield, Mr Guy Halford and Mr Callan Danes. So, soundtracks. What do we think makes a good soundtrack, Guy? Songs. Well, that <laughs> helps it out. But I think there should be a balance between some musical tracks, some licensed tracks and some classical music. A little bit of... Um, just music without words. Yeah, you've <laughs> lost your words right now. Yes, instrumental. Instrumental. Yes. There we go. That's well, the word I was. You see, I, when for. Guy said songs, I bit my tongue. But because I, I fall, on, I, I'm definitely kind of there's there's films with you've got scores, which are the composed pieces, film music specially composed for a film. And then you've got kind of what has become the modern fad of soundtracks, which are contemporary songs uh, or songs collated to, to kind of enrich the soundtrack. And I kind of, I miss the days of really well-made scores for a film. Scores seem to have all blend together nowadays. There's no big standout scores, I think. I mean, even if you go back to stuff like Inception, which was just Hans Zimmer playing big horns. Yeah. And then, but the only thing that I can think of in the modern time is the Avengers. But that's just the Avengers theme. Well, I think is repeated again and again, and that's why it becomes part of your modern psyche. I think the the for me, you know, your John Williams's and your James Horner's your John stand Barry's, out, and yeah. you, John John Barry's another one. They stand out epically because <laughs> I like I like scores that take me back to that film that they have the themes and motifs that recall characters and locations and places the more generic film tra- soundtracks now i don't i'm not a hu- i'm not a huge fan of mr zimmer's work because it's just a very it, to me it's a very atonal one note um, but a composer who's become more prevalent recently who i think understands film scoring is michael giacchino Mm. Who I think, if it wasn't for his score, the Star, the Star Trek films of recent years wouldn't have been successful oh, no, because his Star Trek theme is 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 amazing, and he's done a wonderful job. He's done um, the Incredibles, he's done a couple of Mission Impossibles, uh, he's done a, he did Rogue One, which I think yeah. proved beyond a doubt that you can, well, can he, build he, the world of Star yeah. Wars without John Williams. Yeah, but. Um, it, but even, as you said, going back to John Williams, if you think about the original trilogy and how standout that amazing music was, then you look at the prequels, which I can not remember anything but Jewel of the Fates from that. Yeah, I mean, the the, the prequels suffer a little bit because um, I don't think he was given enough free reign yeah. to do anything with those. There's, there's even, minor even moments the Force where you Awakens, have the Force. But even with The Force Awakens, I wouldn't say that's a stellar soundtrack. I wouldn't say that's a brilliant piece of music. I think it. I don't think it stands out outside of the, the film itself. Outside yeah. of the film itself, yes, it's very mm. much. I wouldn't I, go back and listen to that. Where I could listen to Star Wars: Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. I think yeah. that's, just I think that's in... the problem, though, that they don't want to overshadow the film with these big, massive scores. And they just want them to sort of supplement and um, drive people to the main. I, I do think film. we need. That music that that pumps the action that that yeah. makes it makes it good because but I think <laughs> sorry. sorry I think with that Guardians of the Galaxy is a perfect example where you get that blend of a great soundtrack to fill the lulls yeah and then you get the pumping pop yeah. music to can we all stop describing things as pumping please but you get the pop music well, to like 
But I think that that's a different, that's a slightly different uh, way that James Gunn has approached that because he writes those songs into the body of the film. So the yeah. film plays off the music. It's not like, you know, it's not like a, a film where they go, oh, we need, to, we need a song to put on here. So who's famous right now? Oh, we're going to stick a Will Smith record in here or we're going to do you know, <laughs> a Wicked Wild Wild West. Yeah. So what, what's popular right now? Oh, yeah, Sam Smith. Let's make him the theme of our, our movie. And then they kind of realise that that's not the best way to go about it. Where if it's, if it's embedded into the body of the film, so things like almost famous baby driver or singles ba- yep, baby driver drop, yeah. Yeah, any of the edgar wright ones work in in that way um but i think if they're just kind of arbitrarily put in there because it's like uh, we, we need to make this film contemporary and popular well um i'm glad one thing that has died is the movie single that was the thing in the 90s where every film had to come with a single attached to it the, the James Bond still always have them. The... Well, the Trolls movie got sold of having an Ariana Grande track in it. Fifty Shades Darker had Taylor Swift and Zayn Malik. Yeah, yeah, but I'm well, thinking I, the I, previous I... one have... Um... Beyonce. Uh, no, oh, the no. Weekend. The Weekend. The Weekend. Oh, no, it was also um, blonde-haired girl. She advertises hair care products now. Uh, uh, no. Ellie Goldberg. Ellie Goldberg. I don't know. It's like, but again, they're not. I don't think but they're designed not. for the films. You know, I, I still kind of think about. If I think about um, like Karate Kid, Karate Kid Three, I can I can remember Peter Cetera doing the, the song for that. Yeah. You know, Saint Elmo's Fire well, or, or as, Footloose or you know, yeah. as they, we mentioned, the Will songs. Smith's work. So Will Smith yeah. pretty much spent the nineties. Writing a song for each film that he was in, so you had yeah. Wild Wild West, you had the Men in Black theme, and then he made an album after for after Ford. Yeah, and Big it was kind style. of yeah. sorry, just an excuse to say that title. <laughs> but it's kind of like that thing. There was that thing in the nineties and eighties where the music was indelibly tied to the movie, as you mentioned, Saint Elmo's Fire, mm. and stuff like think- the Breakfast Club. You can't think of the Breakfast Club without hearing. Don't you forget about me appearing in the back of your head. I think, it's, I think it's nice when we have singles that are promoting to the movie, but are sort of taken as separate and are like not heavily like that aren't put into the movie but are like outside of the movie and promote the movie sort of thing you know what I mean well I, I think sometimes that goes against it because um, a few years back when they were promoting Moulin Rouge they had a pink um, um, lady Marmalade. Lady, yeah, they did, and yeah. and and I, st- I heard that song, and I was like, "Whoa!" I, I'm a big fan of Baz Luhrmann, but I'm not sure this film is for me. If that's kind of the way the music's going to go, I think that was the more a problem with that particular song, though, just because I don't feel like I that, that song. More of a problem with that particular but, movie. It wasn't but the thing great. was, it, I haven't seen the movie. I haven't yeah. that song. It was the performance of that song. You yeah. get you get into the film, and it's done by the cast and characters, and they, st- they still use Lady Marmalade within the context of the film. But that version isn't heard within the film in any way, shape, or form, and and it makes it a little bit more interesting. Um, so mm. sometimes the, the songs can miss sell films. Well, the weird thing was that is you had Kylie Minogue in that movie, but she wasn't allowed to be part of the Lady Marmalade single, which is kind of like, well, why would you have a singer in the film playing a role and then not be part of the single? Did she not have a different? Did she not have a? Another song on the soundtrack, or was she just she not? She appears as a fairy talent for like a split second. She's yeah. the green fairy. She's the, the resource. Oh, yeah. yeah. But even thinking about Hook, no one should be thinking about Hook. Hook wasn't too good. Hook's a much maligned movie. It's actually a real yeah. nice, nicely performed film. And it was when Disney was going a little bit darker with their work. Yeah, <laughs> I think you can kind of tell. I mean, there's certain films that have good soundtracks that are part and parcel of the package, and then there are the films that are your Shark's Tales that are just 
it's a marketing tool. Two thousand and one, a space odyssey. Not a single bit of new music was written for that film. If I think correctly, it was all classically all classic chosen scores. pieces. But it works brilliantly as a soundtrack because everything gelled in that movie. And it just using classical scores very well means that you can work that kind of thing. It's 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 like a different breed of soundtrack. That film where you just reuse music to match the beat of the movie as you said I mean that opening spot with Also Spake Zarutha which you can never spell rightly when you get that bone tossed up and then it cuts that's a brilliant think, piece I of think scoring that's, that's what um, you know if you hear a piece of music it takes you straight back to the film you know you hear Star Wars you think of Star Wars yeah. you hear John Williams's Superman theme you think of Superman. You yeah. hear Close Encounters four, you know five notes you don't even need the whole of Superman film you just need yeah. that Horn at the start. I mean, a lot of a lot of it is Williams. You hear Indiana Jones, the Raiders theme. Yeah, you know Raiders. If I played somebody a, a, a fraction, a, a clip from a, a Hans Zimmer movie, yeah, you know, you could say about eight films at me. Um, Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, he always goes and picks oddball music for his films on purpose. I mean, if you think about the um, Hateful Eight soundtrack, mm. you wouldn't expect the music that he chose to be on that soundtrack. But he used uh, Morricone on that, yes. that soundtrack to get that sound of yeah. the classic Western, which yeah. I think works a hell of a lot in its favour. I personally think his best soundtrack is the Death Pro soundtrack. That has done me wonders for DJ sets. It's just... It's like it's like the combination. It's of a all shame of the movie so- didn't match it. No, I like that film. It's a combination of all of his soundtracks combined, though, and just a mixture of what Tarantino does best. I mean, the guy inherited a record store. But so. if you think about Reservoir Dogs, that bubblegum pop selection of Stuck in the Middle of You with Steeler's Wheel, that song was not popular anywhere when he picked it. And now that film, that song has become synonymous with Reservoir Dogs and the ear scene. But you can't think of listening to that song just as a normal song anymore. It's a, it's a Reservoir Dogs song now. Do you know what kind of soundtrack music I like? 70s porn music soundtrack. We know you like your porn. <laughs> <laughs> I guess wrapping this up then, so what is everybody's favourite soundtrack? Uh... Transformers the movie, 1984. It's definitely not real oh. bad. <laughs> you know why? Because it's great. You've got Weird Al Yankovic on it, you have Lion, who are a brilliant band who don't get heard of enough, and you have Stan Bush and Vince Dakota, who are the is summed up in two people making music for a movie. And it's an awesome soundtrack. And it's also on Boogie Nights. That's how good it is. Yes. They took Dare off the Transformers movie and put it on Boogie Nights. Really his lip here, I'm, I'm really thinking about it because I don't. I have one that I want to say. I want to say. I want to say. I want to say. the last out, lad. I want to say the original Guardians of the Galaxy just because of what it did when it came out. But I'm also going to say Guardians of the Galaxy so adamantly. <laughs> yeah, like I so adamantly prefer the idea of like crafting, uh, like writing music originally specifically for it and specifically for the movie, and so like. I don't know. He's building up this high. Come on. I want to say Alien. I didn't see that. Interesting choice. Why Alien? Because I feel like the that movie wouldn't be anywhere near as good or suspenseful without the music. And I feel like that music adds so much to the movie and is so much of what makes the movie great because of what it adds to the scenes and the tension. I recommend John Carpenter's The Thing soundtrack and watch the film. Yes. Amazing film. Keith? I don't think I could ever nail it down to one all-time favourite. It would depend on the mood at the time. But two that I, I come back to quite often that can be put on and listened to throughout that are great is um, 
Jerry Goldsmith's Star Trek the motion picture score, mm-hmm. which is just stunning. It has an overture. It has that the theme that everybody associates with Star Trek now. Uh, and the other one, which people kind of forget a little bit about in terms of John Williams's output, is his score to E.T. the Extraterrestrial, uh, which is a, a beautiful, magical score that does everything that John Williams does in a score to the nth degree. It's, it's, it's a great piece of music. It stands by itself uh, and is just a, a stunning piece of work. Go on. <laughs> Schoolgirl Report by Gert No, I'm joking. <laughs> that, that is good, though. It's good. Um, I think for me it's quite hard as well because I really get into Italian film soundtracks. So I compose like Louis Bacalov, uh, Ennio Morricone, and stuff like that. And there's a whole world of that stuff which is fantastic. And I've got numerous favourites from that sort of genre. But I think ultimately one that I always go back and listen to, I'm really fond of. Uh, which I own a bootleg of, unfortunately, is um, the Lost in Translation soundtrack. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Why the well, last you've got, burn? You've got some of Air's best work on that one with the Lone Coyote. I think it really represents the film well. It has, if you listen to it, you feel the same kind of isolation and loneliness the characters do. It's just beautiful music, and it also is the soundtrack that got me to my bloody Valentine, which I'm forever grateful for. So, no. all right, I'm going to pick a second album because I'm a greedy sod. Tron Legacy, Ooh, it's Daft Punk, that is the perfect soundtrack for that film. I cannot imagine anybody else now writing music for a Tron film. They've made everything perfect for that movie. Mm. Mm. I mean, you listen back to the original Tron score and it sounds crap yeah. in comparison. I mean, that is, it's definitely, that does do for that film what a score should do. It transports you into that world. It's, it's not your typical Daft Punk well, you start Record off with the grid, either. and you've got Jeff Bridges narrating yeah. over the top of it, which is amazing. But I could listen to that soundtrack any day. I think um, if, you, if you do like that, you should seek out the Tron Legacy soundtrack, yeah. which is the soundtrack that went with the cartoon series that came yes. off the back of that. Uh, and that's very much influenced by that Daft Punk sound. But yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, the Daft Punk um, Tron album is fantastic. I think it's probably one of the perfect film-slash-album combinations. I don't think there's much else that you could have there. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's synonymous with that film. Thanks very much for listening to us this week. Back in the studio, back to normal next week. Keith, where can we find you online? You can find me uh, spread out across the internet. <laughs> I'm, one of Guy, I'm one of Guy Halford's album covers. Keith Bloomfield reports. Yeah. I've, just, I've decided that, that, that 2018 is the year I'm going to model myself on Jeff Goldblum. Um, so I'm going, to, I'm going to pull a few Jeff Goldblum. Uh, poses across the year. Uh, no, but you can you can find me lounging on a fur cut rug on the internet uh, at hardluck underscore hotel on Twitter without the underscore on most other sites, uh, Instagram, web, um, various other places. Uh, so yeah, go check it out. Mr. Halford, where can we find you? Uh, vinyl Guy H Instagram, um, Guy underscore Halford Twitter, and... Uh, Mixcloud.com slash curiosity crate for my bizarre mix of music, which includes a lot of film soundtrack music and obscurities. So go and listen to that. It's like the soundtrack to my life. Kalam. Uh, you can find me not spread out, uh, being perfectly reserved. Nobody wants to see that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> On Instagram and Twitter as D A Y N E S Radio. You can find me listening to a soundtrack. <laughs> At Ryan Parrish, of course, and at Bromingham on for the food blog. 
But you can find all of us at Geeky Rummy on Instagram, Twitter, and the Facebooks. And don't forget to find us on YouTube where we've got some fantastic stuff for what we got up to in 2017. Thanks very much for listening. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you for listening to our high-quality podcast. If you like what we do, you can support us by visiting patreon.com forward slash brumradio.